0: It is my pleasure this morning to introduce our speaker, um, one of our very own to share with us during an encounter this morning. Um, if you know her, you know that she loves Jesus, that she has a heart for each one of you here to be seen and known and loved and to find a place of belonging here at Southwest Christian. Um, and she's showed that by pouring her heart and soul into our new house system, um, by teaching DECA here, by being an assistant dean. Um, I love her dearly, she is one of the only people that can get me up here with a microphone, so there's that. Um, and so I introduce the other half of Johnson & Johnson, Mrs. Lindsey Johnson, come on up. Damn, thanks. You did great, thank you. Hi, you guys. Sweet. So I have to tell you, I have been here now for officially about a year, a little over a year, and some of you have come and visited me in my office. Some of you have come just to chat, to tell me about life, to connect, and I love that. Um, Some of you have come to get candy, which is also great. I will let you know I am currently out of candy, so stop by later this week, I'll get refilled. And some of you have come because somebody made you. But regardless of how you found your way to my office, maybe you noticed a sign on my desk. And if you did, it's a Bible verse. It's from Mark 6, verse 12. It's from the message and it says, They went out and preached with joyful urgency that life can be radically different. So my hope and prayer for us this morning is that I get to share a part of my faith story with you and in that you will sense that joyful urgency that only Christ can bring and that you will desire a life that is radically different than the world around us. So if you'll pray with me, we'll get going. Dear God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you, God, that you are good and that you are in charge, and so God, I just ask that anything that is is me—that is of me is gone and everything that is of you is what stays. May we have ears and eyes and hearts and minds that are open to what it is that you have for each of us today. In your name, amen. So, like many of you, I grew up in a Christian home. Um, that is something that I don't take for granted. It's not something I say lightly. I had parents and grandparents who prayed for me and continue to pray for me. I was brought to church, sometimes dragged to church. I went to Bible camps and on mission trips. I went to youth group until I could stop going to youth group and in all of that, I actually accepted Jesus as my savior in the third grade at Covenant Pines Bible Camp. Now, Some of you are excited to head off to camp, I know that feeling, it's those spaces and those places that I probably felt closest to God when I was your age. Uh, But the truth was, after those times at camp, I always would come home, and there's still something missing, right? Throughout my high school and into early college life, um, I held deliberately and desperately onto control. Control of my life, my goals, my dreams, my desires. In the book, Relentless Spirituality, the author says this, he says, trusting the Lord with our salvation is one thing, but trusting him enough to relinquish control of our lives is something else. If I was honest with my high school self, my identity was tied up in one major thing, and that was basketball. Basketball is what I had done since second grade, It is what I spent almost all of my time doing. I played AAU in the summer, individual lessons, varsity, all around basketball was what I loved. It was also where my friends were. That's who I hung out with mostly, that's who I knew. And I actually graduated from Eden Prairie High School. It's a big school. And so it was kind of how I was known, right? I was a basketball player first and foremost, and that took over my identity. As you think about your own life right now, you each are known for something. Maybe it's something you're good at. Maybe it's something you do. Maybe it's something that other people have put on you. You are, you're this, right? For me, it was basketball, and I actually had a dream to head off to college and play ball. Junior year, I went and looked at schools, talked to coaches, but my plans changed senior year because it didn't go as I had expected. My coach and I, our relationship was really rocky. And um, I didn't get the playing time that I wanted. I didn't get the playing time I had the year before. And to be honest, I was angry a lot. Um, Anger's my go-to. Some people get sad, I get angry. And so by the time the season was over, to be honest, I was done with basketball. I wasn't done playing for fun, but I was done playing for anybody else. So I was heading off to school that next summer, and I was going to the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire. And I decided that I could start over. I could be whoever I wanted and figure out and do whatever I wanted. And so for some of you seniors, that's your future in a couple months. You're heading off to whatever it is that you put before you. I decided that I was gonna strive after success. I was gonna be a CEO and drive a Lexus. That was my ultimate goal. I was gonna get good grades, a great job, meet tons of people, and honestly have all the fun the world had to offer. I went into college and I decided to live that picturesque Hollywood depicted college life. And to be honest, at times it was really fun, until it wasn't. For when everything would slow down, I was always left with this sense of emptiness, this sense of pressure and anxiety, these things that would build up behind me. And so what I would do, is I would just stay busy. I would just continue on and stay busy. You can't feel those things if you don't have time to feel them. You can't think those thoughts if you make sure that there's things in front of you that don't allow you to do it. And so I would go and I burned the candle on both ends and I was everywhere to everybody and I was trying to be this and it's not who I thought I'd be and it all caught up to me a Sunday morning in May. I walked back to my empty dorm room early Sunday morning I'd been with people for over 14 hours straight, and I'd never felt so alone. I got back to my dorm room, and I remember thinking, I can't do this anymore. Like, I don't wanna be the people that these people think that I am. I don't even know how I got here, to be honest. And I said that I was blessed to grow up in a Christian home because for me, at that moment, I knew that I could turn to Jesus. I remember those times at summer camp and those moments where God met me and it made sense and I was doing the right thing and so I knew like, that was all I had because I couldn't fix it. And for me, um, I'm a fighter, right? I'm really bad at asking for help. If you could ask Shawnee that, she's really good at helping me out. Um, but that's something that I've always battled with and maybe you can relate. And so in that moment, I had to just let it all go. And I had to ask God for help. And it sounds crazy and maybe a little cliche, but honestly, in my dorm room on my floor, on the ninth level at the South Tower in the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire, by myself, I just cried out to God. Said, God, I will never be enough. I can't be enough to figure this out. I can't be enough to fix this. I can't say enough. I can't do enough. And I just surrender this to you. So I grew up in public school, and I stopped going to youth group about ninth grade. Um, And so for me, like, that whole idea of surrender was just a word. Like, I didn't actually understand what I meant. I just knew that that's what I needed to do. And so I surrendered to God that night. And you guys, it is a feeling that I've asked God and a moment that I've asked God to never let me lose. Because for me, my life changed in that moment, and I felt joy for the first time in a long time. I had this peace that everything was gonna be okay no matter what came my way. I felt alive, I felt free, I so desperately wanted to feel free. Maybe you can relate. And so for me, I finally slept really good for the first time in a long time. And I knew that whatever came next, that God had it. Well, two weeks later, My dad calls and he says, hey, Lindsay, there's this opportunity, an evangelist is coming to St. Paul and they're teaching you how to share the good news of Jesus and I think you should do this. And I have to tell you Southwest, God's timing is perfect and he's faithful because if my dad had called two weeks earlier, I would have been on the other side of that phone saying, you have no idea who you're asking to go tell somebody about Jesus. There is no way that I can do it. I'd be so wrapped up in shame and guilt and self it never would have happened. But two weeks earlier, I had just surrendered my life to Jesus for whatever that meant. But for me, I knew that meant that when the opportunities came, that I said yes. Even though I was scared to death, I said yes to God. If God opened the door, I said yes. And so I told my dad yes. A few weeks later, I returned from college. My dad and I headed off to Grace Church in Eden Prairie, where they taught us how to share the gospel, how to answer questions, how to pray with somebody, and I was so nervous, like so nervous. So for the weeks leading up to this festival, I had my sister, she's my middle sister, her name's Brittany. I would have Brittany sit at the kitchen table with me and pretend to be somebody else. So she'd often, she'd pick this name, she'd say, hi, I'm Jordan, and I would like to know more about Jesus, and I'd be like, oh my gosh, okay, Jordan, like, Jesus loves you, or she'd say, hi, my name is Jordan, and I have some questions, and I'd like go through my thing and try to figure it out. Finally, the day of the festival came, got in the car, got out in St. Paul by the Capitol, on the music, is just loud, and there's something y'all need to know about me, is I love loud music. Like, my sisters and I, we loved outdoor concerts, and the challenge to get from the back of the concert to the front, and then hold your ground against those bars, if you've been there, you know, so you can still breathe. Like, that was always the goal for us. Back, all the way to the front, hold your ground, feel the rush. So I get out, the music's blaring. My sisters, I have two of them, they're like, okay, you ready, Lindsay? Like, let's go. I was like, oh, I don't think I'm supposed to go. Like, because a few spots down, there's this one girl, I later found out she's 13 years old, um, but she was all by herself, and it was weird. Like, it was weird she was all by herself, but it was also weird she was super sad. And so I just said, I, got, I just want to stay, right? And so we're staying there, and um, all of a sudden the speaker comes up, it's Luis Palau, he starts talking, and I'm not fully paying attention, but I'm watching this girl out of the corner of my eye, and as he starts saying things like, start over, and your love and freedom. I watch her like shake her head, like it makes sense. Right? And I'm thinking, like, God's got her. And so at the end he says, Raise your hand if you want to talk to someone about Jesus, and I'm so ready. Right? And she doesn't raise her hand. And I'm like, oh, that's Southwest. First, first Timothy two, or Second Timothy 1.7 says, for God did not give us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love, power, and self-discipline. So out of that spirit of boldness, which I totally believe your generation has more than any other generation, by the way, this spirit of boldness and not fear, I walk up to her, i like, do you wanna talk? And She's hesitant, but then she goes, okay. So we go through this booklet and we pray, and you guys, like, the change I saw in her is something that I will never forget. If you remember, I said this was a sad girl, and she was lonely, and it was just weird. She was so happy. Like, she was light, and she was smiling, and all of a sudden, friends came out of nowhere. I don't know where they came from, but they did. They came out of nowhere, and they're like, Lindsay, will you take us to the front? And it was incredible. I went back to the car when it was all said and done. My dad's like, did you talk to anybody? He's like, yeah, I talked to this girl. It was incredible. Like, she changed in front of me, Dad. Like, it was, it was amazing. It's like..." what I felt when I changed. And he goes, oh, what was her name? I said, oh, her name is Jordan. And he goes, what was her name? I said, her name is Jordan. And he goes, isn't that the name of the girl that Brittany used to practice at the kitchen table? And I said, yeah, it was. For me, that day, God took this events in my life and he said, Lindsay, not only can I drastically change your life, and make it radically different, I wanna use you to change other people's lives as well. And Southwest, I believe that God has that call on all of your lives. That there's a joyful urgency when you know Jesus that sits inside of you and is longing to come out. That there's a radical difference that God makes in your life and there's no time to sit back and wait. First Peter 2, 9 and 10 says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. For once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. I don't know where you stand in your relationship with God. I don't know if you sense that joyful urgency or if you know that radical difference. And if you don't, I don't know what's standing in your way, but I bet you do. For me, up until the age of 19, I knew that God chose me, but I struggled to choose God. My identity was so wrapped up in what I was good at and what I wanted to do. And in those things and chasing those dreams, I found some dark places. For me, I always tried to go it alone. I said I stopped going to youth group by ninth grade. And I'd always try to go it alone, but in that Bible verse it says, you are a chosen people. We have to do it together. You need people to hold you accountable. And ultimately when I did surrender, which is what it takes, that surrendering of control of your life, um, there's nothing that I would rather do than declare the praises of him who called me out of darkness and into his wonderful light. I'm gonna end with one more story here for you. One thing that happened more recently is that I've been spending a lot of time at the dollar store in Waconia because of this job. I actually go there a lot to pick up things for the house system. I go there to grab a hold of Easter eggs and puzzle pieces and buckets and hula hoops and candy and all these things and balloons, right? And as I have, I've been starting to build some relationships with the people that work there. Um, I love people, I love building relationships. I think it's part of how God called us and wired us to be. And so I've started to build relationships with these employees and getting to know like where they worked before, what they're doing. So two Sundays ago, when I was there, I was filling up green balloons for Sapientia, way to go. And the guy who's helped me before, he goes, what's this for again? Like you talked about a house system, right? I'm like, oh yeah, he goes, is it Latin words? So yeah, each one's a Latin word, like Veritas is the house of truth. He goes, oh, I I would resonate, I'd be in that house. I said, oh yeah, he goes, well, because, goes on to share, he goes, because I'm a Norse pagan. And so that means like, I believe in Norse gods and, and my favorite gods are the god of truth and then the god of judgment. I told him, oh, my husband and I are actually Scandinavian. And so I said, my husband, Jared, He actually wanted to name our kid, if we had a boy, he wanted to name him Loki, um, which is the god of mischief. Right, and so I told this employee, I told him that, and I said, but I told Jared there are two reasons that was not gonna happen. One, you live into your name, and who wants to give their kid the name god of mischief? That just sounds like a disaster for everybody. And two, two, I told him, and we're, we're Christians, and so it wouldn't really make sense to name your kid after another God when you only believe in one God. To that he told me, oh, I grew up Christian. So but now I just believe if you do good, like then you're set, but if you do like bad, you should just go jump off a cliff. And he said it like not maliciously, just kind of like matter of fact. And so to that I responded, I said, that doesn't seem like there's much redemption in that. You see, I'm pretty sure you would have told 18 year old me to go jump off a cliff. He goes, well, I'm I'm talking like the the unforgivable sins, the real bad stuff. And I said, you know, I don't know. I really needed redemption. I really needed Jesus. I kind of think everybody does. And to that, we continued on our conversation. He told me about some YouTube channels that he's really into, that he likes. We shared some different things about music grabbed my balloons, and I got in my car. And you guys, I was so excited. I was so excited that God used me for 10 minutes in the dollar store in Waconia to give him glory. For 10 minutes in the dollar store to get the chance to just tell somebody about the goodness of God. And the truth is, I don't know if that's it, and that could be it. But I'm praying that God uses me more. I'm praying that that relationship continues, and I can see maybe why. Why, why, were you, why did you leave Christianity? Tell me your story, right? And then maybe, as it continues, I'll be able to tell my story. And God will use me to talk about that radical difference that only Christ can make. Because I'll tell you, I've got the joyful urgency. And I know that difference. And that's my prayer and my hope for each of you. I think that one of the hardest things to really come to grips with is what stands in your way of being all that God created you to be. And so I wanna ask you this morning, as you think about what God calls us to be as his people, he says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. My question is, what's holding you back? What's holding you back? You don't hit, have to hit rock bottom to experience the radical difference of Jesus. In fact, the most difference that I have ever experienced was when I shared with Jordan and I saw somebody else's life change. And when I talked to the guy in the Victoria parking lot that happened a few years ago and all these opportunities later in the book of First Peter, it's fact, to be honest with God and say, God, like, this is where I'm at. And this is what's holding me back from that radical difference or maybe you need to say God show me what it is because because I haven't surrendered or maybe if you have you're at that spot where you need to start saying God I need that boldness that you gave our generation I need to live into that and I need to just be ready and willing and not even just like oh I'm there but like like I want it like I want someone to know the best thing that's ever happened to me and the greatest news that changes your life now and for eternity. For God is powerful and present in the here and now. And Christianity is not a box to be checked, right? It's a life to be lived. So I'm going to invite them. I'm going to pray. Um, it's into this song. And I ask you just to thank God. God, where am I at? And how can you bring me into that joyful urgency? And use me. Right. So, dear God, I just pray for these students. Um, I know that you're talking to each of them in different ways today, and I pray that their hearts are softened. I pray that their minds are just open to you, God. And I pray that in those hard spaces, God, that you just break through. And in those spaces that are so ready, God, that you shine through. And in all these things, that we together can be your people, because we cannot do this on our own. God, we love you, and we know there is a world that needs to know the joyful difference, the radical difference that only you can make. And may we be a part of that. Your name, amen.